Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The weekend is nearly here, and what a weekend it is. All sorts of games happening in all sorts of weeks, including playoff races in Mexico and the United States, plus a Sunday that features no fewer than six big-time rivalry or derby games in Europe. Uh, We'll be talking about all these places, or as much as we can anyway, in this short show. Um, We have Jeff Reuter, Felipe Cardenas, and my co-editor on the Athletic Soccer Vertical, Brooks Peck, here to sort through the calendar and pick a few games out of the madness for you to keep an eye on. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for the weekend of Friday, October 22nd. All right, Jeff, well, thank you so much for joining me. It's a big day, big big weekend, really, in, in, in soccer. Uh, a lot going on, a lot going on in the U.S., and a lot going on in MLS as we come to sort of the, the tail end of the regular season. Uh, you have two games that you want to sort of guide listeners through. Uh, they're both on Saturday. Let's start off with Philadelphia Union versus Nashville SC. Tell me about these teams. Why is this, uh, why is this game something that somebody should, should watch? Yeah, I think in past seasons, we've been used to this run up to the final weekend of the MLS season being more intriguing for the bottom part of the playoff picture, looking for who is going to in the past years make the sixth seed now make the seventh seed who might miss out. What will that say about the coaching changes? But this year, we've seen such a significant home field advantage in Major League Soccer, even more than past years, which was already considerable. Now it's just about vital that you are playing at home in the postseason, especially in an Eastern Conference uh, that has the best team in the league with this year's New England Revolution. So when you have Philadelphia hosting Nashville, it does feel a bit like uh, a potential challenger uh, versus the the reigning competitor for New England, because, of course, Philadelphia last year won the Supporter Shield. There were a lot of questions about how they would adapt after selling Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie. But I think people assumed that the attack would struggle much more than the defense, uh, just given the importance that Brendan Aronson had on that team and has continued to have. Uh, They've continued to play pretty well. Uh, They've been up and down. I, I think that Philadelphia has struggled at times to fully unlock its attack, really get its best players in its best spots, and especially with creating the chances that Anderson was. But in Minnesota on Wednesday night, they showed that the defense is also in a state of flux, and they had some very, very soft goals that they were allowing, which ultimately let the loons back into the game, uh, and, and they won 3-2 on the night. Nashville doesn't have those same sort of issues of consistency. I think their biggest issue, frankly, tends to be that they're too consistent. This is a team that has tied over half of their games this year. They have 16 draws in 30 games played. It's a lot of ties. Uh, it's a lot of ties. The Houston Dynamo are second with 12, and then there's a bunch of teams with 10. It's it's unheard of. And the number of 0-0s and 1-1s in there uh, show two things to me. One, it, it does show that this is a team that can get stuck in second gear and doesn't really know how to get into their motions and maybe doesn't have the same sort of decisive playmakers beyond Hani Mukhtar that other teams may have secondary or tertiary options. 
but it also does show a very sound well-coached team by Gary Smith. And it does show a team that knows how to approach these sorts of games. They've, they've, they've treated most games uh, as I mean, very important, right? Like they're, they're not really throwing away results. They're not throwing caution to the wind and anything. They have just three losses. That is actually fewer losses than new England and any other team in major league soccer. But if they want to be taken seriously, I think as a challenger to the revolution, they will need to get past Philadelphia to cement their place in second. And then of course, they're going to need to figure out how to consistently get those goals uh, and to uh, stop playing zero, zero draws because eventually in the playoffs, they just don't let you, they make you, win or lose they don't let you get one point well it'll be interesting to see if they can finally figure that out um a little bit farther west only a little bit farther west but in the western conference anyway uh you chose uh minnesota united versus uh los angeles football club lafc uh lafc has had a weird season they came in i think you and i and everybody else on our staff and i think everybody that covers mls uh in any sort of uh, professional capacity had them uh, uh, running the league uh, in, yeah. in in one way or another. That has not been the case. Uh, a lot of people also had Minnesota near the top of the, the Western Conference after their playoff run last year. So this feels like a meeting between two teams that have a lot to prove, maybe seasons that are disappointing relative to standards, and now they're both in a kind of a fight for uh, for playoff positioning. So what what are you looking for in this game? I think that's a good way to sum it up. I think that these are two teams that expected better. I think that for Minnesota United, actually both of these teams will point to missing key players for extended periods of times and point to that as the reason that they are so low in the standings. And right now it's sixth and ninth place for Minnesota and LAFC respectively. Um, With Minnesota United, they've finally gotten their players as many of them as they're reasonably going to get the season in a good way. Again, the comeback win, and then holding off with 10 men uh, for the last 11, 12 minutes against Philadelphia, they'll be feeling very good about that result. Uh, They also won in Austin, which I think just about half of their points this season have come against the three teams from Texas, which also tells you how the season's going for the loons, but they will be without Emmanuel Reynoso likely who got a fifth yellow card. And so that's an accumulation suspension. uh, If my math is correct. And Roman Metinair got a red card for uh, chest pass, throwing a ball at a Philadelphia Union player's chest, who then also did a barrel roll. I retweeted a gif of it on my timeline, so you will be able to find that, I'm sure, if you do a quick scroll. LAFC has still remained like a an advanced metrics darling. They lead MLS with a plus 22 goal differential. Curiously, second and third place in the expected goal differential is eighth place New York City FC, and seventh place DC United. So it's a very interesting year for the underlying numbers, not a great year for uh, expected goals to tell you who is supposed to be winning the season, but LAFC uh, has started to finally come into their own. They have started to get some big wins again at Dallas, not necessarily one that you're going to start uh, building a title campaign on the back of uh, beating San Jose at home is something that you would expect to do as well but they are finally starting to get the results. They are clawing back in um, Vancouver's comeback against Portland really set them back a bit in terms of actually getting into seventh place. But if they're going to get seventh, they're going to need to surpass some combination of rail salt Lake, Vancouver and Minnesota United and the Los Angeles galaxy who have kind of dropped back into this sort of quagmire at the bottom of the table. But Minnesota United does have a chance with Portland losing to get a fourth seed for a third consecutive season, despite all of their issues this year, despite all of the weak results, despite the drop points at home, they are still very much in contention for a hosting game. So this is really a making up for lost time sort of moment for both of these clubs. One of them will probably feel very good about 
how uh, they leave that game. The other side obviously won't. And this is also a rare game, which is good for neutrals in the sense that neither team can really afford to tie because it would do just as much of a disservice in the table as a loss would essentially plus one point. So I think at this point, they know that they need to win out to be able to achieve their goals for the season. And uh, that should make it a very, very fun game. Well, awesome. That that sounds great. And I'm looking forward to watching it. Both those games are broadcast nationally on ESPN+. Plus. Jeff, uh, thanks for taking us through it. Uh, there is so much MLS uh, this weekend, but those are but two games. You can see sort of the entire schedule uh, on any number of places, including the league website. Jeff, thanks. Not a problem. Okay, moving on a little bit farther south, uh, there are also plenty of games in Mexico and in South America as a whole. I have Felipe Cardenas here to talk us through some of the fixtures on the weekend in uh, both those places. We're going to start in Mexico, Felipe. Uh, You wanted to highlight Club America versus Tigres. Uh, That's on Saturday at 8 p.m. on TUDN in the the United States. Uh, That's at the Azteca. These are two of the bigger teams in Mexico. What are their stories uh, this year? Two of the bigger clubs in Mexico, two of the richest clubs in North America, uh, t- tons of star power on both sides, and, and, and a top three matchup. You know, Club America in first place, T- Tigres currently in third place, and, and this is match day 15 of 17 of the Apertura tournament. So this is a big game, a good, big game for playoff standings. Uh, remember, there, is, there are playoffs in Liga MX, and so uh, this is a big one for, for, for just the standings, where the seeds are. But I think also just two clubs that want to really firmly establish themselves as the top dog in Mexico. And so Club America are coming off a 2-1 win over Santos. Uh, Tigres are coming over, are coming off a 3-0 win over Pachuca uh, on Wednesday night. And I think if for the casual observer, that's what you want in a big game. Two teams with a lot of momentum, with a lot of good players across, across the pitch, across the lines uh, that are coming into a big game. And so you know, when I look at Club America and their story, uh, this season under Santiago Solari, uh, I see a club and a manager who are uh, desperate for a title, desperate for something to to sort of reclaim their 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 position in in, in Mexico. And and the press in in Mexico sort of criticizes Club America for not being entertaining enough, not being flashy enough. But they win games. They just win. They know how to win. And and, and I think that's something that will come to a head against Tigres, who are a very exciting side. Uh, again, a lot of star power, an eccentric and very good goalkeeper in Narwet, Narwet Guzman. And obviously you have Pierre, Andre Pierre Gignac up top. So lots of just quality across the field on both sides. That sounds really great. Are there any players, uh, you mentioned uh, Gignac and I love Nawel in, in goal for, for Tigres. He's always an adventure. Uh, one of the most entertaining players in CONCACAF. But uh, for Club America, they're, you know, they seem like they constantly have just super, super talented players uh, for them. Who is sort of leading uh, for them these days? Yeah, I mean, it's you could pick several players. I think I look at Sebastián Córdoba, who's their, their young number 10, uh, a Mexico international with, with a really bright future, you know, sort of this play, the next player that they at Club America feels can move on to Europe. Uh, someone that I think sort of doesn't get a lot of press is the, the Spaniard Alvaro Fidalgo. He's a former Real Madrid two player. So he played for Castilla, but he played yeah. under Solari and Solari brought him and he's just, I just love him as a central midfielder. So technical, very smart, uh, very polished on the ball. 
and has really fit in in Mexico. I think for a Spaniard to come in and do that is, is impressive. And then up top, Roger Martinez, the Colombian, just is in great form right now. So they're a dangerous side. Perhaps they don't play this very expansive football, um, but they are dangerous. They can transition or they can sit back and possess. Well, that sounds very interesting. Thank you. Uh, moving on to a little bit even farther south, uh, lots of games happening in South America, including in Argentina. Uh, we talked about River Plate yesterday. They had a big uh, top-of-the-table clash with Talleres Córdoba. We don't know the result of that game as we're recording this now on Thursday. Um, but also in that top three in the league is Boca Juniors, the other giant team uh, in Argentina that everybody knows. They're traveling to Vélez Sarsfield on Sunday at 7.15 p.m. That game will be on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so, Felipe, we talked about River yesterday. What is the story of Boca this season? Gosh. Like, I, like you know, listen, we talked offline. There's We don't have enough time to go through everything, all the drama at Boca Juniors, but there's been a lot of drama. You know, Miguel Angel Russo was, was handpicked by Juan Romal, Juan Romal Riquelme, who's now sort of the sporting director, president, godfather at Boca. It did not work out. He was fired. And now Boca have... A, a rookie first-year coach in Sebastián Bataglia. But Bataglia, as you may recognize the name, he was the number eight alongside Riquelme on those great Boca teams in the in, in the 2000s. Uh, so he's a close mate of Riquelme. And, you know, he looks sort of the part of a young manager, which you see a lot in Argentina, sort of giving these former players uh, big chances with big clubs. And so he's they're coming off a win. Uh, and, and so are Vela. So I think it just sets up again, similar to in Mexico for a, a big sort of top of the table clash between two very talented sides. Um, tell me a little bit more about Velez. I know, I know less about them. I think with Boca, you can always expect that they'll have some quality players at the very least, even if the management is a little bit <laughs> erratic, at least lately. Uh, what's, uh, what's Velez's story this year? It's true. I mean, if Boca have, you know, Cristian Pavón and Agustin Almendra, you know, two players that are well known in Argentina, have a, have a high ceiling. Everyone that covers MLS knows Pavón from his time with the Galaxy. I think with Vélez, it's it's like they have young stars. And so Tiago Almada is a 20 year old player who everyone in Argentina knows. He's about a signature away from coming to Atlanta United in January. He would be the, their, their new DP. He's a very good attacking midfielder. But I, what I think Velas is, is a very well-balanced team. They're not just young players. They have veteran presence in the midfield. They have a veteran presence up top, and they have very good defenders in the back. And they just kind of sprinkle the lineup with young players like Tiago Mata, 20 years old. Um, they have Agustin Bausat, who's sort of in his prime at 27, but a very good left-footed attacking midfielder. Lucas Jansen, uh, a do-everything sort of winger that can play on either side, but can get in the box and, and score goals. So uh, they're a good team and they're well-coached in, in Mauricio Pellegrino, uh, another coach and another club that is desperate really to make some noise this season. And the, the talent is definitely there. They'll, they'll host Boca Juniors and they'll have that advantage of, of being the home side. So, you know, a, another big match. I think Vela's, I would give them the, the, the they're perhaps favored because of their form, um, but Boca has the history and, and Boca's coming off a win. So perhaps you can say that uh, it sets up nicely for Bataglia to get perhaps his big first win. I will say uh, to close this segment that uh, if anybody has not tuned into an Argentine league game uh, because it just hasn't been on TV in the U.S. in a long time, um, at least not super excessively, 
uh, do it because those games are pretty reliably amazing and very competitive. And the fans are back. The fans are back. The fans are back. So that makes all the difference, especially in Argentina. So yeah, definitely a good time to tune back in and watch some Argentine football. Awesome. Well, thank you, Felipe. Anytime. Okay, finishing up today on Soccer Every Day, uh, we have uh, somebody that I definitely never talk to on the phone <laughs> at any point uh, during during my day. It's my co-editor on The Athletic Soccer, Brooks Peck. Hey, Brooks, how's it going? Hey, Alex, I haven't talked to you in a good 30 seconds. Yeah, it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been a long time. We have a lot to catch up on. But before we do that, uh, we should talk about some of these games that are happening uh, on the weekend and specifically on Sunday, Saturday. Uh, listeners, you can check TV listings and and, and find out uh, what you want to watch. But I'm here to tell you that Sunday is really the day to watch games. Uh, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Exactly. Because <laughs> I think, I don't know if this was a coordinated effort on the part of the schedule makers of every single all, uh, yeah, European all league. Them. All of they them. All but there, is, there, are, there are big, big rivalry games in uh and some less big rivalry games in uh in pretty much every single league uh and they're all taking place on sunday so i thought we should maybe go through them and talk about how watchable they are how not watchable they are how important how not important etc let's do it it. okay so we're gonna start going order of kickoff time and the very first one at 9 a.m eastern west ham versus tottenham hotspur a london derby this derby does not have a name as far as i know uh, Brooks, what are your first impressions of this game? Uh, it's an interesting one. You know, th- there are, there is some backstory there, but it's kind of one sided. You know, it's it's one of those those rivalries where the the one side really hates the other one, and the other one doesn't think a whole lot about the other <laughs> their opponents. Um, yeah. In this case, it's it's West Ham that that kind of has some animosity there. They, they they think you know, I guess Spurs are a little too uh, high on the horse. Uh, they they try and they turn their nose up at them. Um, and there's some history. They they had a uh, off off field uh, debacle over the Olympic Stadium. I think there was some some fighting over who got the rights to that. That's right. Um, and then years ago, famously, Lasagna Gate. Um, <laughs> with... Wait, remind me remind me what Lasagna Gate was quickly. Uh, the can the, you can you sum uh, this up quickly? <laughs> you'll have to go to Wikipedia for the, for the full story. But the the gist of it is. The Spurs players before a very big match against West Ham ate some lasagna that apparently oh, didn't yeah. agree with them, That's and right. they blamed West Ham for tainting their their meal. How could I forget <laughs> about that? That was that was amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, in the context of this particular matchup, uh, right now it's early <laughs> in the season, so you know who, there's you know the standings are yes at stake, but uh, there's not a whole lot to read into them. Though Tottenham are in fifth with 15 points, West Ham are one point behind. Uh, Tottenham has lost three straight, though, um, and they're playing in Europa Conference as we as we speak. So we don't know how they did in that game. Yeah, they're, but, they're uh, having they're on a skid. Um, we'll see what they eat pre match, but uh, hopefully it it sits well. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. All right, moving on uh, to a game that I felt like I had to include just because these teams are geographically close. I don't know to what ex- extent this is actually a derby. I actually did some research. It's not, but again, you know, I just I felt like we had to include it. Cologne versus Leverkusen. Cologne, uh, Leverkusen being a suburb of Cologne, their stadiums are fairly close together. Um, and actually, this is not all that bad of a matchup in terms of their places in the standings. Leverkusen's in third, uh, just three points off the leader Bayern. Admittedly, they got uh, beat pretty bad by Bayern last week. Uh, and uh, Cologne is uh, also in the conversation near the European places. Brooks, what is what are your thoughts uh, on this game? 
Yeah, this might be a pass for me. I mean, just given how how jam packed that that day is going to be. Um, like you said, they're they're kind of regionally close and and regional rivals, but there there isn't a whole lot of backstory there um, beyond their their places in the in the table. Um, so I think I'll probably skip that one. Well, I did such a good job selling it in the, <laughs> yeah, right. before I tossed it to you. So, so clearly, uh, but yeah, so that kicks off at nine thirty. Uh, all these times are Eastern, by the way, on on ESPN Plus, uh, which is right in between. As you mentioned, uh, this is a packed day. It's right in between that West Ham Tottenham game, which is on NBCSN, uh, and El Clasico, Barcelona versus Real Madrid, at ten fifteen a.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. Uh, the game formerly known as basically the game uh, that everybody watches. <laughs> Uh, every single time it happens, and it would happen, it seems like, 18 times a year, uh, but not so much anymore. I think this probably is the first time in a long time this game has been played where neither team is on top of La Liga right now. Uh, Real Sociedad is top of the league uh, as we speak. Well, or at so, least, uh, in, yeah, yeah, top top uh, two or three places. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it, when I think of this, this matchup now, it just kind of makes me sad because I think back to those... <laughs> All those many, many games, uh, I guess it was like a decade ago now. Jeez. Yeah. Um, well, starting for a decade and then starting a decade ago and going pretty much consistently for a decade. Yeah, with Messi Mourinho and, and Pep. And, and it was like yeah. once a week we'd have, or at least once a week, we'd have uh, Real against Barcelona. Um, yeah. And just, they lived up to their name too. It was a classical every single time. Um, you know, obviously both those teams are in different spots right now and they're going through their own, their own issues uh, on each side. So I think, you know, you'll never have uh, a totally uninteresting matchup between those two. So I think it's always worth checking out, but it's just not the same. It's the end of the day. It's still a classico. So it'll be a competitive game. It'll be, you know, there there will probably be some fun moments. It's just not going to have the same star power that it once did, which is maybe part of the reason why it's on ESPN plus and (laughs) big big ESPN. It got demoted. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that's that's kicks off at 1015 Eastern on ESPN. At 11.30 Eastern on NBCSN, uh, another derby that's so big it doesn't even have a name, Man United Liverpool. I was like, I, I, I had to look up if this had a name that I just forgot about, and it doesn't. Uh, Northwest? I, I think they call it. Northwest Derby? Okay. I mean. it's not. A, that's not something I hear often. Yeah, it doesn't need a name. It's, it's Liverpool. It doesn't need a name. It's Man United yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. Um, Liverpool are one behind Chelsea at the top of the Premier League. Uh, Man United are in there with the uh, Tottenham's and the West Ham's uh, in six with 15 points. They're three behind Liverpool, though. So this does have some standings impact. And it also has some narrative uh, impact, as it always does between these two teams. Yeah, Ronaldo back in the picture for for United. Um, it, it always brings something a little bit extra. Uh, he's keeps scoring mat, late match winners for them. Maybe he'll keep it going against Liverpool. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those games. Maybe I'm showing my Premier League bias, but you can never, can never uh, not watch those two. I mean, th- that's the Premier League bias is a real thing, but also there's a reason why it's the most watched league. Like the games yeah. are very consistently very exciting. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Uh, moving on to Italy, uh, Roma versus Napoli at noon Eastern on Paramount Plus. Uh, the Derby del Sole, as as it's called. Uh, nice Italian Napoli. accent. I like. That. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Napoli is currently leading uh, Serie A. Uh, Inter, uh, Roma is in fourth with 15 points, nine points behind Napoli. Uh, Brooks, what is, what's your what's your outlook on this one? I mean, again, going back to to uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, part of the appeal to that matchup uh, back in the day was was Jose, and, and so now Jose Mourinho is is with Roma. 
And um, given his, his, even though he's new to Roma, given his past experience with Inter, um, I feel like he has a backstory with just about every uh, Serie A team, um, and Napoli included. I'm sure he's, he's traded some barbs with, with different people around that club. Um, so yeah, it, it'll always be a little bit spicy with him in the mix. Um, and I think that'll be a fun one to watch. This Napoli team is a good one. And, uh, and we'll see. I really like watching them play. I like watching yeah. Napoli play. And anytime you're coming up against a, a Jose team, you know, there's, you know, in, in a big game, he tends to get his team to play extra spicy. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or extra conservative. Yeah. Yeah. For, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a challenge just, for Napoli. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a big one. Um, just after that, at 2.45 p.m. Eastern, also on Paramount Plus, also in Serie A, Inter Milan versus Juventus, the Derby d'Italia. Was, how was that? That was actually a much that, that was really good. Accent. Yeah. Was better? You're, okay, you're getting wow. better as we go. Yeah. You're being way too nice to me. Inter <laughs> is in third place. Juventus is in seventh, but only three points behind. Uh, win here would put them back near the top of the table, which is where they expect to be, but are not. Uh, Brooks, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, Juve's been on a better run of form lately. Um, I think they're they're looking to keep climbing. Um, and uh, again, it's it's always a good matchup between those two. I, I think definitely worth worth checking out. And lastly, kicking off at the same time, so you might have to make some decisions uh, <laughs> if you have both Paramount Plus and the multi-screen. Yeah, two screens. Uh, Olympique Marseille and PSG, Le Classique in France is what they call it. PSG is in first place. Marseille is 10 points behind in third. 10 points behind in third. That shows you uh, just how much PSG is sort of already running away with things in Ligue 1. But this, you know, if any team can give, can give them a game, it's usually Marseille. Uh, Brooks, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you get some great atmosphere at those matches, even even if the <laughs> there is a large gap in the, in the table. Um, yeah. You know... It, that, that PSG team is just so stacked. You, you, you got to watch them, even if they're playing a, a group of school children. So I think that's a no-brainer. It often looks like they're playing a group of <laughs> yeah, school children. Yeah, that's how it plays out, yeah. But that's, but that's not <laughs> what we're, we're going to see this weekend. This is going to be a good competitive game. All right. Um, well, amazingly enough, we got through all of those games. Those are all on Sunday. We gave you the times. We gave you the networks. Brooks, thanks for joining me for this. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for listening to Soccer Every Day. I really can't emphasize enough how much soccer is on this weekend. So if we missed a game you think is important, I'm sorry. It's nothing personal, but I'd love to hear from you. My Twitter handle is at anabnos. That's at A-N-A-B-N-O-S. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, enjoy the games this weekend.